Spice, spice of life to this podcast, and I think today we have two reviews that come from pretty, pretty contrasting worlds. Well, of... In a sense, yes, but also in a in a cultural sense, no. But I mean, I, I guess I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm just thinking since both of them sort of pull from like African American tradition, you know, not, oh. not not always in the same way, mind you. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. So you know, you, you'll we'll, we'll find a way. I mean, um, couldn't you do that about like all music? I mean, theoretically, like you, you can because it's all about like I don't know. I I just feel like there's there's so many connections no matter what genre you're talking about. Who would like, who would be the Kevin Bacon in the situation that you could draw? Oh, that that's a good question. Um, like ooh. six six degrees of. Um, I I would say like someone like like Jaco Pastorius maybe. Or like, okay. like one of those um, sort of, uh, maybe somebody from like the art ensemble of Chicago, like maybe even like I Herbie Hancock. So yeah, I could yeah. do that. Or maybe like a, like a relatively well well traveled producer, oh, like actually like, Robert Glasper. There we go. Oh yeah, I think yeah, I think definitely that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Glasper is a contemporary jazz musician, just like the first person we're going to be talking about, um, which is a band. That was a bad segue. <laughs> my, um, my favorite person is a band. <laughs> my favorite person is a band. Yeah, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of fun quotes already. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, the new album from Irreversible Entanglement uh, called Who Sent You? Uh, this is a group that came on my radar. I forget who first shared it with me, but back in... 2017, their self-titled album was released, but before that, they dropped a song called Chicago Detective, which was was just a fantastic piece of politically charged uh, free jazz. The rest of the album ended up having a lot of great free jazz and avant-garde jazz uh, tendencies. I would say more on the free jazz. There aren't too many avant-garde tendencies, but the, the compositions it's, it's get a little... It's not even really like... Well, I mean, I, I guess... I, see what when I think of free jazz, I tend to think of like extended techniques and things like that, um, which there aren't really a lot of. It's more like I think it's the if anything that this this thing sounds more free in its structure. Yeah, I was gonna. Say, I mean, they build themselves but, as improvised uh, yeah. jazz. I mean, I, I oh, don't really do. know. Okay. Yeah, I don't know exactly how you know what's improvised or how much they they write. Um, before, you know, before recording. Yeah, but... it's, it's always tough to tell with with a lot of these yeah. bands so um but what made you know i mentioned politically charged and obviously the music itself was you know some of my favorite jazz back i think i ranked it as my favorite jazz album of that year yeah um, i um so you had it in your top 10 um uh, a couple years ago yeah so yeah but you know obviously it wasn't it wasn't the sax trumpet and you know rhythm section that made it political it was the uh jazz poetry slash spoken word whatever you want to call it of Kame uh, Ayewa, which I apologize if I pronounced that correctly, otherwise known as Morma. Uh, that's a project that she has where she does uh, interesting spoken word over uh, 
industrial, post-industrial, kind of like weird electronic. Uh, we talked about her collaboration with... Uh, the Just Zonal. Yes, Zonal, which was with uh, Justin Broderick and The Bug, which was a cool project. Uh, I didn't feel like that was some of her best work. I thought it was, was okay. I kind of... Um, I feel like Chicago to Texas was just encapsulated very well what she did. I don't think since that track, I mean, the other spoken word passages on their self-titled uh, album were also really good, but I feel like that was just the perfect blend of kind of um, esoteric in a way or kind of deep, deep-ish lyrics, but also it delivered in a very punchy, aggressive yeah, way yeah. you you got it on first listen but it was still deep and there might be stuff you'd unpack later in terms of what references she was making so i was very curious what was coming down the pipeline for this release because it's uh, a bit longer the debut had yeah. four tracks i think this had what well, five it, 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 this is actually shorter i think um if i remember right because I, I was listening to them both i listened to the first one for the first time the other day and i listened to the second one as well obviously um and i think the second one is is like 43 minutes while the first one is closer to an hour interesting let me Cause maybe it's just that maybe it's just the number of tracks but the second one actually felt longer you know like quote unquote felt longer to me yeah um, I, i'm in agreement <laughs> yeah um let me see. and so uh, yeah the, so who sent you is 43 minutes um and then the self-titled uh is oh it's 44 huh I don't know why it said that's weird. Interesting. So they're about the same. Cause I, yeah. I will say this one, I know we've talked before about, you know, albums, quote unquote, feeling longer, you know, based on, <clears throat> you know, obviously do you, do you like it? You know, a bad album is going to drag on, but also just how many tracks are there? You know, how many ideas do you feel like they, um, they present? Uh, but you know, I've kind of talked around what this band is about. I'm curious, uh, what you think Elaine about, um, Obviously, you said you just listened to their debut for the first time. What do you yeah. think about both both albums? So, uh, I, I guess to I'm just gonna short short story first is that um, I think that Chicago to Texas is an amazing track. Um, I, I just felt like as I kept listening to the debut, it just kind of fell off from there. And uh, the same thing is with Who Sent You um yeah except that it, it there really wasn't anything in like who sent you that was really like i don't know like chicago to texas had this energy to it that sort of like grabbed you by the throat mm-hmm. and like refused to let go and it had this abstract like extraction to it when it came to its lyricism that i i don't think is present in any other other tracks Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of appreciated that and I kind of missed that in a way. Um, so, so, so basically like long story short, um, I think these are really good albums, but they are not for me is, is probably the best way I can put these. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that what we opened with really sums up my issue with, with this album is that there, there are some cool spoken word passages uh i think who sent you um like that repetitive poetic format was was cool but there was nothing even close to what um uh i feel like i'm kame Ayewa. i feel like i'm not pronouncing her name correctly but there's nothing close to what she achieved on on 
uh, that first track, the first track I ever was was exposed to, which is kind of a problem uh, when the <laughs> first exposure to a band, nothing really lives up to it. Uh, for me, the self-titled, I think I appreciated more everything else the band was doing just because that entry point to the album, I was so hyped up from the beginning um, that I was able to kind of ride that. Because I think if you just listen to the jazz that's being played, I think it's really good. I think oh, yeah. Obviously a really good ensemble, really, really talented. That um, That's sort of the crux of, of my issues with this thing is that I'm just not a big fan of More Mother. Um, and I, I, I made that obvious before when we reviewed Zonal uh, last yeah. year. Um, though I, 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 I have a bit more respect for her. I, I not to say that I didn't have any for her, but like, I, you know, Chicago to Texas, I think is just a very powerful song and, you know, her, her performance in it. And I'm even beyond the lyricism, I'm talking about just the actual yeah, her delivery. You know, yeah. Yeah. The, the delivery, the recitation of her words, uh, was incredibly powerful and I could definitely see why people gravitated so much towards this album. Uh, you know, I, I just like it wears on me a lot after a while because it like I think it, it gets very repetitive. Um, and I think just the biggest thing I think is is just sort of the like the whole the politics of this album. Um, it's not it's not a matter of agreeing or disagreeing with the actual ideas that are that are being sent off it's more that like you know i i like you said before like on its own is really excellent free jazz but you know with these lyrics and things like that like it 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 the the message is so inextricable from the from the like from the content or yeah but like like from the music itself that it's really tough that, that it's it's basically impossible really to sort of separate the two mm-hmm. um you know whether you should separate the two i think is is a matter of debate i think that sort of depends on you know your own uh you know ilk as a person i guess um but i i see like i, I let's see i actually wrote this down it's um see i yeah i i wrote like this i i listen to music to enjoy music not to have politics thrust in my face I'm more more often than not able to ignore things like this in music, but in this case, the two are so inextricably linked that I find it difficult to do so. Yeah, I mean, mean, certainly, one of the things I like so much about the first album is how how well the the jazz you know accompanied the energy that that she brought. And I think just to clarify what I said earlier, you know, it was my my favorite jazz album of that year and one of my favorite albums overall. Uh, despite nothing uh, living up to um, Chicago to Texas, Chicago to Texas, uh, because I think that just having that be the entry point, it set the bar so high. And I think even though the other three songs don't live up to that level, it, it was because I, I kind of got it because that was such a great track and it was one of the one of the best tracks I heard that year. I'm like, okay, obviously, like not every album is gonna, you know, Sunbather by Death Heaven, like Dreamhouse. Uh, the the opening track that you know I'm dying is a blissful like that's easily the best track on the album. It's okay that not every other song um, lives up to it, but actually that's actually a good parallel because I feel like since then no song they've written has hit that high with Dreamhouse, and that's kind of how I feel on this one is that none of the songs, both from Tom Ayo- Ayo- Ayewa's 
perspective and the band's perspective, it was, again, all very good. I enjoyed everything that mm. was happening. And I think there's a chance it might, you know, flirt with my top 50 or, or make it on, depending on, you know, how I feel over the course of the year. Certainly wasn't as good as they, for me. It just oh, really, yeah. it just, it didn't have that wow moment to pull you in. And I think Chicago to Texas, obviously being the first track that just immediately pulls you into the album or pulled me into the album. And this just didn't have that. Still very good if you like jazz poetry or spoken word or, um, you know, politically charged music or, or, you know, kind of more abrasive jazz in a way or, or more adventurous jazz. But I would probably steer someone towards their debut more than this. Uh, I, I, I would just say listen to Chicago to Texas. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't even say listen to the whole debut because I, I just like it. A lot of it was just it, it was just a lot to listen to for me. It was just like because like I after a while, like I, I think maybe I mean, you know, obviously our opinions on this are very subjective. Um, I, I just I think for me, like spoken word is not something I usually listen to. And so even if it's within uh, like a free jazz album, it's still a very difficult listen for me. Uh, that That's why like I've never really like listened to Gil Scott Heron. You know, just, yeah. Like even though like the revolution will not be televised, it's like I I think that's a great song, but you know I I, I just in I I think it's one of my blind spots I guess. Uh, it, it's not that I don't find it interesting. It's just that like I like like I I guess go along with me on this that um sort of you know you use a certain part of your brain depending on what you're listening to or what you're doing at that specific moment and so you know when i'm when i'm listening to music i usually you know turn my my mind off to a certain degree um and just try to focus on the music but i think when you have spoken word it it kind of like fucks with my brain i guess a little bit (laughs) is is the best way i can put this yeah. Uh, like it's 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 like the equivalent of like reading like a, it's it's almost like listening to like an audiobook and i i don't like listening to audiobooks so uh yeah 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 i would say for for me i also struggled with spoken word um i think part of it is because of the the way the, the delivery usually lines at, at least if we're thinking of Gil scott heron obviously is one of the more well-known spoken word artist. Yeah. Uh, Laurie Anderson is a, is a little spoken wordy. Yeah, well. but I, I think that's actually another great parallel because like, I, I bought a copy of Winter in America. It's an album he did in the, the 70s, Bill Scott Heron. Yeah. Um, and the music is pretty traditional 70s, you know, soul, jazz, you know, jazzy blues, that kind of like the yeah. typical... R&B. Uh, R&B, yeah. Um, and it just... At first, it was cool because you know he was doing it like a different vocal style than you'd expect over that type of music. But it just got old because you're not yeah. like you're not used to like you're not like that's not what that's not what you I guess that's not what you want to hear. You want to hear someone with a powerful voice. You want to hear someone you know sing the, over these great. The, at least for me, that's the weird thing though. Is is like really? But the only difference between spoken word and rap is that rap adheres to a rhythm. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I was gonna point to is that he eventually did uh i think he was alive when this happened he did a remix out with jamie xx from the xx i, I think and he I, we had talked about this actually i forget I, if he was alive at that but jamie xx used samples from his uh final album bill scott heron and he put it over like 
danceable, kind of electronic, hip-hop-oriented beats. And it worked a lot better because obviously Gil Scott Heron was a huge influence for the evolution of hip-hop. Mm. Um, so that worked so much better for me. And then eventually uh, that's, you know, a sample of his went on to be in a song by Drake called Take Care, which actually that interpolation works really, really well. Um, and so I feel like that helped me appreciate him a bit more. Still can't really listen to his solo stuff and fully appreciate it. But I think the parallel yeah. I want to draw to the, I'll just say more mother because I feel like I've been butchering her, her name this yeah. entire time. I, I, but I mean, more I, mother. I, I, I don't think you are, but I mean, it's like I, more, it, more mother's it, a lot easier to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I feel like her and then Montana Roberts kind of does a similar spoken word style over some experimental jazz. I, I didn't uh, know I, she. I, I thought she just played saxophone. Uh, I think her earlier stuff is more the traditional jazz, but some of her newer stuff, she's done some interesting spoken word stuff that I think you would like even less than. So I definitely don't recommend it. Yeah, I know. I, I have like <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, 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 like I looked at that whole coin coin um, series, and it looks really cool. But then it, it's sort of it, you know it's another case of just the political and the musical coming together in a way that like I oh, just yeah. I, I I know that it's not gonna fuck well it's with very, me. It's so very difficult to, to you know take apart. But yeah. for me. Um, I feel like since the music itself is more experimental, like it makes sense to have different vocals. I think, you know, to go back to Bill Scott Heron and other spoken word artists that, that do perform over more traditional instrumentation. It just, it feels, that's a good, you know, we said like kind of like an audio book. Like it feels like it doesn't belong. Like, yeah. you know, like why isn't this guy singing? Or like, why isn't he rapping? Like it's kind of an in-between that just doesn't really work for me. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to give it more of a try because I actually really like the, the album I mentioned, Winter in America. In general, like I thought the music was great, and I thought some of the stuff he was saying was cool, and even his performance was cool. But just all together, just didn't work for me. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm very. I, I think um, you ever listen to Saul Williams? No, but I've heard of him. Yeah, so because he he does some interesting stuff that that it's it's more on the spoken word side of hip hop. Um, mm-hmm. There are times he like does rap, but. You know, I I feel like he's he's kind of a good person to go to um, sometimes. But you know what's funny is is because his stuff is intensely political. But I actually don't like. like there's something about the performance of it that that just mm-hmm. sweeps me. Uh, whereas you know, I aside from a few moments in both these Irreversible Entanglements albums, I I just I felt the performance wasn't really there for the most part. But like you know, Chicago to Texas was like the peak for me. Uh, like it, the rest of it just kind of just didn't it didn't seem very passionate or yeah like, i think maybe not passionate is the right word it's just more more like i don't know like okay here's another parallel that 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 i'm gonna set that it's kind of like a almost like a mike Patton type of thing that like we have uh you know someone who's obviously very talented but it feels like they don't always put a hundred percent into what they do yeah and i think th- that's a great way to put it because that's something you could definitely feel with hip hop, you know, when someone does a feature, you're like, wow, that they phone that in. Yeah. Like, you know, like this, the main rapper on the album asked them to be on it. They're like, all right, well, here's here's a couple bars, have fun. And like, I don't want to put that on irreversible entanglements or more mother saying that that's what happened, but it definitely felt like, like for me, I, I'd flip, I'd tweak slightly what you said in that I thought the self titled debut was a great album, because, you know, due in large part to Chicago to Texas, but I did like the other tracks as well. I feel like this new album 
it just it doesn't have that i mean every album it needs to have at least one song that's just like wow like that is amazing well, i mean like, like a good album overall should have should be filled with energy you know but for sure if, but like if, if not all of the gears in the machine that makes up that album are spinning right you know it, yeah. it, it doesn't always come out well yeah absolutely but like for every album i love you know like great albums like wow there's at least one at least one song that i'm like this is amazing like this song you know is is amazing i'll go back and listen to this one song when i like i don't listen to the full thing but i want to hear what they have to offer and obviously my favorite albums of all time have virtually every song like and i just feel like who sent you it just doesn't really have that one moment and as a result there's just nothing in the album that draws you in quite the same way. Mm. And it's, it's hard to measure someone by, you know, what at, at this point seems like their crown achievement, but it's kind of hard not to because everything just has not lived up to that one peak that they have, which yeah. stinks because I really like, I feel like they have a lot of talent. I feel like even if they were just a jazz ensemble with no spoken word, like they clearly, I think, would, I don't know if they'd reach the same level of success because there is some novelty to what they're doing here. It's not quite like what a lot of other, um, or what most I, of the jazz mainstream I, 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 is doing. I don't know if I would call it novelty, uh, because that, I don't. Know, I feel like novelty implies yeah, maybe uh, that, like a level maybe, of like gimmickiness. Trivial, yeah, maybe that trivializes it a bit, but there's something unique about that. You know, yeah, like a, a the, lot of the it, it definitely sets them apart from the rest. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, like the closest thing I could get, I could think to compare this to would be like Sons of Kemet. But like, yeah, e- e- even that is nothing like this. Like, you know, they, like Sons of yeah. Kemet are using more African instrumentation and, you know, there aren't really a whole lot of spoken word passages in that album. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I, you know, th- this, I, I feel like I, I, maybe, maybe that's kind of the issue is that I, I, it almost feels like more mother like is kind of riding on top of these instrumentals rather than the two being a cohesive experience that mm-hmm. like sort of mixing together more um like a, a, a i don't know like yeah it, it, it just it, it almost feels like that there's this um sort of like schism between the vocals and the instrumentation that they aren't completely working together and i think if if they could if they were, I think it would be uh, much more powerful. I think that's part of what makes you know Chicago to Texas such a powerful track. So, mm-hmm. absolutely, um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think I mean I think that that kind of I mean I, I can't can't imagine there's anything else. I certainly don't have anything else to offer. I yeah, like I mean I I I think as as sour as I might sound to this, I I I really don't think it's bad. At, at like it's it's. It's more just not for me as like more than it's just bad because it's, you know, obviously everybody involved is very talented what they do. It's just that like for me, it doesn't always go together well. So, yeah. And I think that's, that's part of what's making, you know, has disappointed me so much is that I really like, I was expecting this to be a huge defender for album of the year or really at least, uh, you know, in the top five and what have it didn't quite hit there um, yeah i mean i you know it, it, it happens yeah i mean it, it happens every year um I'm, i've been trying to think 
there have been a number of albums, maybe just because I've been dedicated to listening to more music this year, but there are a number of albums I've listened to that just have not hit quite the mark I wanted to this year. So I'm yeah. thinking of maybe keeping track of it, if not, you know, make a post on Facebook or potentially, if you know, somewhere I can publish it. Because it, it, it's an interesting dynamic of, of you know, is it, is it more my fault? Is it more their fault? Is it, See, is it I, you know, it's probably a little bit of both. You, you bring up a really interesting topic because, like, I, I mean... On one hand, I like I I think that you know, it's, I think it's definitely up to how you receive it, um, but I think also if you're going into, um, you know, you know, listening to an album or you know even if it's watching a movie or what have you, with just any expectation, I I, I think you're it's I I would personally argue that we're sort of going about it the wrong way if we're going into it like that. Mm-hmm. that i like i i i think and i think maybe this this is more because of sort of the way art in general has been commoditized over like the last hundred years or so but it doesn't seem to be about um you know whether the art is whether it's enjoyable or meaningful in any way it's more about whether it's good or bad mm-hmm. and it's sort of about whether it meets expectations or not and I think that, like, I think you're missing something there because I think w- w- when you take, you know, when you're looking at things that dualistically as just good or bad or, you know, maybe even may, like, uh, may, meh, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, you, you know, you, you're sort of putting on a label on something that doesn't necessarily conform to that label. And I think you're, you're sort of, um, you're sort of gauging you know your thoughts already when i i think it it has more to say than what they let than just oh i'm a good movie or i'm a bad movie you know yeah like it's a i i i think with the way we've been receiving media over like the last like you know i said that i mean i think this is more probably due to the internet just like that there's just been such a flux of content that i i, I think that we've sort of become almost cynical in our way that we're receiving it but i I, Mm -hmm. i'm i i can i can philosophize uh somewhere else so (laughs) well i mean it's it's also tough because you know in the you know certainly there's merit to what you're saying but in in the current climate we do live in it's difficult to not to you know we don't consume media we don't watch a movie listen to music whatever in a vacuum so it's really hard for i'm not talking about political um sort of you know uh messages oh oh, i I didn't mean that either i just meant like you know going into like when i go to into an album and say left disappointed um it's it's sometimes difficult or you know impossible to fully digest something for what it is you know sometimes people say like you you compare it too much to the old album can't you just listen to it for what it is i mean that's really hard to do yeah oh you know i mean it's it's hard to totally ignore what you've experienced before it's it's like trying to clear your mind of thoughts it's it's possible but it's a very difficult task uh yeah to to be free of expectations is i i mean i think a good thing but it's not an easy thing so and it's kind of like a great example because this was a hot debate when netflix released it i think it was the last year before they did uh, an American adaptation of Death Note. Oh yeah, of the acclaim, and and people were debating online. Were like, you're just you're just upset that they didn't do it like the manga, and that's a case where I try to be objective and be like, even if you just view it as a movie, it's still bad. 
but at the did, same did, time, did you read it do you watch the original one or i did and okay. like it's one of my one of my favorite i you know, i love it anime. like like i i actually own the uh they have like an all-in-one edition that's mm-hmm. like it's it's basically just a giant brick of a book yeah uh it's i i i love death note yeah i was like, upset. like i i got the first first uh in, you know edition as a, on a whim from the library and just kept on going back yeah and, uh, and mean, the, it, it, like, to be fair i never saw the netflix version i it's, it's I, really bad like, yeah it's really, I, I've, really bad. I've heard that um uh, but i think that that's what i'm saying is that you know it's for some degree yes it's it, i can't remove the fact that i think that the changes they made from the original were bad and it, it doesn't some of them just made were baffling as to why I, they even I, I i feel like death note in particular is probably like kind of almost like an outlier uh in this argument just, just because like you know it, it sort of begs the question of like why would you even remake this like it, it's, it's sort of like those disney remakes that have been going on <laughs> <laughs> like why remake something that's already been so beloved and so critically acclaimed <laughs> yeah i mean i think maybe they were trying to introduce it to more american they, i really i really don't know because they did such a bad job with it that i can't even i mean i i i can see that because like you know um there have been a couple you know versions of that like uh like that battle angel alita movie that came out i think that was last year or the year before uh or, or ghost in the shell with scarlett johansson um you know it's I, I think it's just people trying to take more ips and apply them to like yeah everything like it, i i get that you know not everybody's going to want to go and watch the original ghost in the shell anime um but like that original anime dude is so good like so it's it's, it's like why even why bother <laughs> Unfor- unfortunately i i i think i tried to watch it with a friend and the only version they have on Netflix is the uh, subbed version. Oh, and, are you talking about Ghost in the Shell or yeah, Death Note Ghost in the Shell? And the for me at least, the English subbed version was off. Like the the vocal performances were terrible. Oh, the the, uh, the were you you talking about dub, like a dubbed version or or subtitle? Ex- excuse me, yes, I, I I mixed up. Yes, the dub version was off, God, and you, I, I really <laughs> fucking I really <laughs> I really yeah, I'm sorry. I really want to watch the dub version because I think the concept and, and just the visuals and and. The general narrative that uh, uh, I saw seemed really good, but obviously the the vocals, the the vocal performances and yeah, I, the voice I, acting was terrible. I think that that's sort of an issue with a lot of anime that that gets dubbed into English. Um, I, I personally love that that movie like for more than the actual like voice acting in it. Like it's more of an aesthetic journey for me than anything like that that the opening credits of that movie like is like one of the most like influential things i've ever watched for me is just like it's so alien to me i love it (laughs) um but (laughs) scott should we just be an anime podcast now (laughs) uh i I don't i'm clearly i'm not qualified to do I, I mean, you, you've watched more Samurai Champloo than I have, so... <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't, because I didn't really like the, uh... I should, I should try it again, because now we have YouTube hooked up to our, our TV now. But I used to have to watch it on my laptop, and I... I you know what you should really watch? I, and I mean, I, I, I think I've said this before, is uh, Cowboy Bebop. Yes, I've heard nothing we could... Well, I, I, and I, I actually don't think it's that great, uh, to be fair, but the music in it is really awesome 
So, like, for, for that reason alone, I think it's worth watching. Just because I think you you would like the music in it. So, um, I will have to check yeah. that out. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, wow. So I, I was worried this would be a shorter episode, but we spent, <laughs> spent 30 minutes talking about the first album. So and, and we actually have more to say, or we decided in advance we have more to say about the second album, which yes. is After Hours by The Weeknd. This is... Hell is yeah. Oh, what are we on now? Because he is had, the fourth album. He's had a very interesting career because obviously he, uh, you know, Abel, uh, Tespe broke onto the scene with a series of three mixtapes, um, you know, called the, the, the trilogy. The trilogy, House, so House of Balloons, Thursday, Echoes of Silence. Yeah, and they yeah. were all kind of took slightly different. My, my personal favorite was House of Balloons. I think that's kind of a general consensus. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I think for me personally, Thursday is is probably mine yeah i like all of them i think they all have their own flair i think i like the most songs on house of balloons um yeah but 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 then he ended up coming out with his debut kiss land uh which kind of i don't know like it felt like it got ignored pretty hard like it it, it was it it, it, it didn't it didn't i don't think it got blasted when it came to reviews it's just like it's weird how like it's it's almost like a blind spot. Like nobody thinks of like I, I personally don't think about Kissland ever. I think the problem with that album, and this is kind of what I meant by is an interesting career, is that it was the awkward middle child between his the trilogy mixtapes. He at first you know when he first came on the scene, we didn't know if it was a he or a group. You know, he really was mysterious and obviously now he's gone from, you know, shadowy figure to, you know, porn stash. Porn mustache aficionado. <laughs> I, I, I'm, so, I'm glad we're already on the stage. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll we'll get there into more, okay, in more good, detail good, later. Good, but I, I want to uh, have that conversation. Kissland was kind of a weird moment in between where it wasn't. You know, he he was introducing himself as an artist, and like, okay, like, does he want to be a pop star? Does he want to be R and B? Like, it just it didn't. It, it kind of he lost his audience in a way because there was like you know the underground mixtape idea that the indie blogosphere liked. He kind of lost, and he didn't really have the pop appeal until Beauty Behind the Madness. Yes, when he released, I can't feel my face. Can't feel, uh, my, can't feel face my face when I'm with you, um, but I love it. <laughs> and then I think Earned It was another big single. Yeah, Earned It. Um, the Hills was yeah, the Hills uh, often often um, in the night. Which I, I do you mind if I go on like just a very small rant because sure and. and I am not even joking when I say how many I every single time I've been to a mall in the last year at least I have heard in the night play and I am <laughs> so fucking sick of it cuz like it, it it is easily the weakest track for me off of that album like I I mean seriously even even the track with Ed Sheeran I think is better <laughs> that's from you that's saying a lot yeah um yeah it, it's but i i all i'd say is like I, I really i do like beauty behind the madness though like that uh so it came out 2015 that that was that was like my number one album of 2015 like by far yeah so. and and obviously with with that you know that album produced a ton of singles that got him on the map yeah. only to have starboy come out and then obviously the title track I feel it coming. Party monster, like that. Even <sighs> I fucking love Party Monster. Popped him up another edge. So, and then he released a. It was a little bit quiet after that. He did some, you know, he did a song with Ariana Grande. I remember 
Um, yeah, and they, and they did the, the Love My Dear Melancholy yeah. EP. Uh, then he released an EP yeah. called uh, My Dear Melancholy, which felt like he was kind of somewhat going back to his roots in a way. It was it was pretty good. I thought it was fun. Um, and so now he's come back and once again has two really, really great big singles, uh, Heartless and Blinding Lights. You know, they've been on the radio a lot. It was like every time we turn on the radio for an extended period of time, when we're in the car, Lauren and I, it comes on. And this is the first one I've listened to uh, really closely, uh, just because I kind of lost a little bit of interest after Kissland. I, I, I like most yeah. of the lead singles he's released, but from an album perspective, Trilogy was where I peaked with him. So yeah. I was really interested to jump back into this. So, and... Starboy was, was kind of... I don't know, like obviously, like the the title track from that is fantastic. Like there there are a handful of really great tracks from that album, but most of it just feels like filler. Um, yeah, and it, 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 it almost felt like I don't know, like Starboy was him trying sort of accepting the title of pop superstar, and then it almost feels like this album is like him relinquishing that title. <laughs> yeah this this was I don't do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Um. Why don't you go first? Yeah, so I just I listened this a few times and I ended up just keeping track as the album went on because this, I wanted to confirm something. It, it, it's I a felt. long album, first yeah, of all. Um, and I ended up with four songs I would say I really love. I don't think there were really any songs in this that I, I hated by any means, but you know, Too Late, Heartless, In Your Eyes, and Blinding Lights were the only four songs that I felt like like man, I love this. Like I could, I could see myself returning to this, you know, when you know several years down the line. I just want to hear some weekend. But the rest of the songs, I thought were good. But also, what I thought was weird is when you hear Blinding Lights and Heartless to a lesser extent, but especially Blinding Lights, you're like, okay, this this album is gonna have such a big '80s vibe. And I didn't really feel that on the full album. Well, like, yeah. See, I I think that's on the part of marketing. Because, like, you know, you, you yeah. know, like you, you look at the, the, the mustache and, like, the, you know, like, the kind of the afro, the suit. Yeah. You know, like, the, the whole, like, veneer that this album is coded in. And you think, oh, Pete Gates. And he, even if you read the uh, the iTunes review for it, uh, it's, it, 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 they're like, oh, yeah, it's 80s as hell. And it's like, like. No, it just isn't. It, like, I'm it, sorry. The, there are parts of it that, I mean, like, Blinding Lights is probably the yeah, biggest absolutely. example. But like, um, I was thinking of I think hardest to love. Like the majority of that song is just a drum and bass beat. <laughs> yeah, it could be like any 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 point where electronic or like electronic yeah. back pop well, has been so a thing. Th- there's something I don't know if you noticed that that uh, one of the tricks point never is on like two of these tracks. Actually, I noted that because I just I was looking up the track listing and uh, he's on on a, you know a few of the tracks uh, at first. They said that Elton John was on this track, but really he just samples one of Elton John's songs. Uh, and then Max Martin is on this. He worked with Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys. Metro Bowman's a big name. Uh, Kevin Parker of Tame Impala. He does one of the, I think, the interlude toward the end, which yeah. kind of feels like a wasted sample, but whatever. He, he's, so, like, he's done that before, like um, on, on Starboy, I think. Let me see. Um, he did an interlude in there with yeah it was stargirl interlude with with lana del rey it was uh under two minutes <laughs> and lana ray doesn't show up anywhere else except for uh at parts of party monster it, and that's it, that's it, just it, so weird to me it, it like, is you, it is a little bizarre 
you get a big name and you're like, okay, just kind of kind of do some shit on this. Whatever. But I, I don't care. It's probably worth noting though that like if you look at the tracks, they aren't they aren't official features, like which is a big thing. This is like the first album I think uh, could be ever that do- that doesn't have any features in it of his. So yeah, which I I think maybe House of Balloons. I have mixed feelings about just because I think if the album was better, I wouldn't have latched onto that. But I did feel like after a while, it was a little. I kind of wanted a little bit of variety, vocal variety. Like I, I noticed it on multiple listens. I was like, it's kind of weird not to have because he he approaches some of these songs kind of from a rapper's perspective. Like he, yeah. If you look on rap, like a lot of the way he's he's kind of he's singing, but he's still. Fra- you know, phrasing like a rapper. Uh, there yeah. is some, there I, is some I, I'm trying to remember. The, 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 there, there was a couple lines, and I'm like, that's very like hip hoppy. Yes, and he has punchlines galore, including I could have written down a ton. My absolute favorite was on Snow Child. He liked my futuristic sounds in the new spaceship, futuristic sex giver that Philip K. Dick. Yeah, which I was <laughs> like, that's that's pretty good. Um, I, I actually really liked Snow Child, like. That that was a I I really I I I mean I I'll, I'll save my opinions on it until you you you're sort of got we we, we sort of tackled your your yeah. general thoughts on this. I only I only have a couple more thoughts I wanted to get to. One is that I thought In Your Eyes was actually the best eighties theme theme song on this. Um, you know I think Blinding Lights is getting all the retro cred, but In Your Eyes it just has that fun vibe, great sense, and that fucking cheesy sack solo oh, oh my god yeah I, I was like, thinking about that today i'm like god damn man like um uh, and it just we, I it, it, I is like, kenny g gonna have like I, like a, a, a boom in sales soon <laughs> I, I fucking hope so <laughs> yeah wouldn't that be an interesting development from all this pop you know the, the kind of the pop session well think about it. like it makes sense though because like you know like this is right around the time that like smooth jazz was really becoming a big thing, so yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> um, I guess the last thing I would say, and I know we don't talk about lyrics too much in this. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's a pop album, you know. It, yeah, it's like but you know, I, I think you know, his whole shtick, which has been a thing for, for pretty much his entire career, is the idea of like. You know, typical ideas of fame, and specifically that, you know, he's kind of a, addicted to women and a, a, yeah. like an alcoholic slash drug addict, and he he kind of flirts with self loathing, but also has talked about the same topics for every single release. Oh yeah, I, so I like mean, he, he kind of says it's kind of like man, I got to get better, and then he just does the same thing. I mean, to, to be fair, Danny Brown does pretty much the same thing. Oh, you know, he, he does. To be fair, um, but I think the reason it stuck out to me more is that. Like, I wasn't hugely in love with a lot of the music and the lyrics were just a bunch of punchlines, kind of making light of the same. I think it wasn't obviously. I, I don't think that's a. Uh, I think some like some of the lines like on Heartless, uh, you said a lot of not great lyrics on that. Um, but I, I think it's just more the redundancy. Like I, I would be interesting to hear something more or delivered in a different way. Um, and I think that just kind of caps off my general thoughts being 
other than you know four specific tracks i don't think i loved a lot of this album but it was certainly good like i think he's kind of found his niche where he's going to release a lot of tracks on each album he's going to have at least two really really big hits that are going to hit the radio um and the rest are going to be pretty good and i think that's fine but just i guess this is, it reminded me why i haven't followed him as closely over the last few years just it doesn't doesn't hit me in the same way with the same mystique that the early mixtape did. I, I I just found my favorite uh, punchline, by the way. It's it's also in Snow Child. It's um I was blowing smoke, had me dizzy like Gillespie. I, I oh, I did, that. I did. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, that, was <laughs> that was like I'm like wow, that, that, that that's such a hip hop punchline. Like <laughs> fucking great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I I guess it's time to talk about my thoughts on this and. Uh, I actually really like this. I, I enjoyed this album a lot. Um, I, like, this was super fun. Uh, this was so much better than Starboy. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I just, I, I can't say I'm, like, head over heels for it, you know, but, like, every single time I've put this thing on, I really enjoy the time with I, I've spent with it. So, like, yeah, I, I mean, and to be fair, like, the there are lulls like um i don't know if you remember that at the end of his escape from la there's like that we had sex in the studio thing and i i i just like i find that to be so cringy because <laughs> like it's like, like you 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 couldn't have like like portrayed that like any more poetically <laughs> oh man just an enjoyable experience um definitely not perfect uh, I, I, you know, I think you, you brought up a good point with, um, sort of that, that like just how, with the lack of features, it's pretty much just like, you know, able just kind of whispering in your ear for an hour <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> and actually, if you listen like alone again, the, uh, the opening track, I, every single time I've listened to this thing, it weirds me out a little bit because of like the way like the production in that is just very odd like the way it was mixed like he's it almost sounds like he's closer to the mic or something like it's it's really weird uh and like it it, so like the whole album you know kind of has this feeling that he's like trying just to talk to you which i think is 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 kind of cool i i I think it's it's cool to see him do something that isn't like total pop i guess But, but but by which i mean like you know, like so much pop these days is just riddled with features, you know, and it like to, to the point that it sometimes doesn't even feel like the original person's album, even. Um, whereas here we really have, you know, like this is this is the weekend. Like you 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 really get that fact. Yeah, I definitely think that. Uh, sorry, I don't want to take up too much time. I know I have, I, you know, I said a lot, but no, I, go did, for it, I did appreciate what a lot of pop stars will do is like their whole album will be filled with kind of radio, kind of radio hit esque songs, but obviously the ones that aren't actually radio hits are just not good, sometimes downright bad. I did appreciate that the songs that were meant to be radio hits were pretty obvious, and the rest he kind of still did, kind of did him. You know, he did his style. Like if if yeah. you are a fan of you know what the weekend has been up to this point you still get that you know to a degree definitely some stuff that felt like it could have it felt a bit like like an updated version of house of balloon for you know 
Yeah. In a way. Yeah. They, I mean, see, for me, like, there are some songs on House of Balloons that I really don't like. So they're just kind of, I'm trying to, oh, Wicked Games. That's the one I'm thinking of. I've re- I, I just do not like Wicked Games. Like, it just annoys me. Um, <laughs> I know. It's just strange. But yeah, I, I, out of all the, uh, out of all the tracks but um yeah I, oh, okay so you know like can we talk about the mustache now love it <laughs> can, can, love can, it. i when so when he announced this thing and they were showing pictures and uh one of them was it was like him with a broken nose and but with 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 the mustache and, the, and everything and i like and i i, I sent you a uh a picture of a herbie hancock album i think it's i think it's sunlight if i remember right uh <laughs> i think so yeah yeah sunlight yeah hey it, it was <laughs> oh my god i'm looking at the album cover now <laughs> i love it so much scott i love it <laughs> it's 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 really it's it's peak set <laughs> it's like peak 70s 80s like it's so it's just beautiful <laughs> Uh, but it just reminded me of that. Like it reminded me of that. But then with the broken nose, it's like Jack Nicholson's character in Chinatown. Just kind of they were just smushed <laughs> together, which is just like the funniest fucking thing to me. I, I'm just like, oh god, I, I just love the '80s so much. <laughs> That's it, it's 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 so. I love it, but also I don't really I don't really get why he did it. <laughs> Like it just it seems so random. Like if the whole like like we talked about if the whole album was totally eighties, if it was literally like Stranger Things the album, uh, then I would I would get it. But I still I still think it's amazing. Like I, I, I think it's like I don't think it's necessarily like we can I don't necessarily think that he's like specifically being like, Oh hey, let's go totally eighties for this because I think if you pay attention to sort of every album that he's put out, he's had, like, a different aesthetic for each one. Like, you know, I on, uh, like, Beauty Behind the Mask, he has, like, that that crazy hair. And then for Starboy, he kind of shaves it all down. And, like, if you watch the music videos for that, like, they all have this similar aesthetic of, like, him kind of, you know, really smooth cut. You know, he has, like, these glowing crosses that he just mm-hmm. smashes shit with, you know? it's like and then this one has like this aesthetic as well which is just him in this suit you know with a broken nose and like who knows what else going on and just you know like a lot of red tints and things like that um like it it just seems like i like another uh sort of just aesthetic for this album which i i i'm a sucker for i i kind of like it when artists go all out for an album like that like they, they don't um but like each each album is like a new experience in a way. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I've I've definitely felt that with um with even though he's taken a term where clearly he he is embracing being a pop star, I do appreciate that each um each album has clearly been its own thing. Even like the hit singles he's had, like mm-hmm. I can't feel my face and then you know, Starboy I feel it coming and then obviously, you know, uh the the singles that he's releasing this time. They don't sound the same at all. Like yeah. they definitely like there are some pop stars where they event they essentially what they do is what they do. They just do like a slightly different version of it for their next big single. At the same time, though, you can definitely tell that this is a weekend song. I think. Abs- yeah, absolutely. That's kind of and... the cool thing is is that it, it doesn't feel repetitive, but it still feels very much you know within the weekend's wheelhouse. 
of yeah. just like this dark, moody R and B. Like I, I think earlier you were talking about like how sort of how how the weekend's lyrics are always like this like kind of hedonist type of thing. Mm-hmm. I remember um Fantano said something. He described something as like, oh yeah, like uh, like the image of a girl crying with like mascara like streaming down her face you know at the, like the the day after you know like the, the morning after kind of yeah. <laughs> uh, and i'm like the, like which is just like the ultimate image of of like what the weekend's music basically is yeah that's that's actually really good yeah yeah that's a good good summation for sure i mean it's it, oh my god i just realized it, it, it's kind of like new emo i mean i, I to, like not, not that that's exactly a new thing you know with like this all this like emo trap that's going around mm-hmm. stuff like that but like if you think about it it is kind of like the new uh, like it's it's like the new edgy type of thing like you know back in the day you used to be like corn singing about abuse and then or or like you know slipknot <laughs> you know with all the fucking costumes or like you know it was, it was like new metal trying to be really edgy so they're being like you know possibly violent you know, like things like that. And now it's just like, oh, like, you know, let, let, let's just add fucking mascara to everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also, it's funny how lyrics in a certain con- context will, um, like, I'll pay more attention to them. Like, I think the reason the lyric, you know, I was a little bit underwhelmed by them this time is because he does present it somewhat as a rapper. Like, obviously not really, but it, he def- definitely does do rhyme schemes and verses kind of like a rapper. Yeah. But then you have like, I was re-listening to Iowa by Slipknot, and literally the first song is called "People Equals Shit," which is the, <laughs> the most angsty, like, like you don't understand me, mom and dad, fucking teenager shit. But uh, like, except because, for the song "Dog Equals God" by Behemoth. Well, okay, yes, that, that, there's or, not enough time to unpack. Good, that. Is um, it is it "Dog Equals God" or "God Equals Dog"? I, I, think I don't. You know what? One. I don't know if it matters. I think it's God it, it, it matters so much. Uh, <laughs> But I was just, you know, obviously because he's screaming people equal shit over, like, these jump the fuck up riffs. I'm like, yeah, they do. Yeah. But, like, if you actually sit down and read it, you're like, wow, these lyrics are bad. <laughs> like, like, on, uh, you, you know the song Spit It Out? He, I, I, I actually have never, like, listened to a full Slipknot album. Well, so. he, he kind of, he, rap, he raps more on it, and there's a little bit more of a hip-hop vibe. Um, and one of the, one of the... One of the lyrics, he literally says, biggity, biggity, bitch boy. And <laughs> it's both hilarious and also like, wow, that's, that's, that's some, that's some Shakespearean, Shakespearean writing right there. I, I really hope that like, you know, like 300 years from now, like people are looking at that as like the level of Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> like that would be so funny. But, but it, it kind of makes you think whether like Shakespeare was kind of a joke in his time or not. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was creating entertainment yeah. for the masses yeah uh i i so be, before we kind of uh end this review i just want to shout out these lyrics because I, while i'm like you know for the most part lyrics are just standard weekend uh the opening verse for snow child was caught my attention that just i used to pray when i was 16 if i didn't make it then i'd probably make my wrist bleed not to mislead turn my nightmares into big dreams whole mo- whole squad mobbing even though we only six deep you know, like I, I don't, know, I, I just like, uh, like that sort of combined with the production on Snow Child just like made me really just like stop and pay attention, which was, you know, it, it was just it, it's, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that was, it, it, it feels like a little more personal, I guess. Yeah, like I, I actually really like that, um, that refrain specifically, and I, I do enjoy, um, something I've always liked about him is he has, 
a unique voice. It's it's powerful in its own way, but also vulnerable, and it just mm. it, it it has just a very unique quality. Like I feel like a lot of pop vocalists these days they fit into a very specific box. Either they're more of like a like a crooner or like a you know a, a more uh, vulnerable vocalist, or they're just like you know the the prototypical like big voiced pop star. And I like yeah. that he kind of can do both. There are some songs where he sings to match the height of the song and other songs where he can be a little bit more guarded. And I, I, I appreciate that, like I said, he's always kind of been him, despite the, you know, even though he's taken on quite a bit more, um, more Attention. fame. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, he literally, it's crazy to think he went from like this anonymous R&B artist releasing three mixtapes to... Um, like just superstar, to, all to, in under to, a to winning a, too. to winning a Nick Nick Nickelodeon Kids Choice Award. Uh, for, <laughs> wait, wait, for, did did he win my, one? Yeah, for "Can't Feel My Face," which is amazing because that song is all about doing cocaine. Yeah, um, which is still I'm one of my this favorite. Because I, I I cannot. I I really hope this is a real thing. So <laughs> no, no, it is. There's a meme I, of him on stage, like with like kind of a smug smug look on his face. It said when you win a Kids' Choice Award for a song all about doing cocaine, <laughs> it's, like, it's pretty amazing. And, and I know um, she'll be the death of me, but at least we'll both be numb, and she'll always get the best of me. But the worst is yet to come. <laughs> and it's it's funny because at one point my mom was like, "I don't like." She kept saying she didn't like this song. She's like, "I don't even get what that means." And finally, I was like, "Mom, I don't want to tell you this, but I have to tell you." She was like, "Oh, well, now I like it even less." <laughs> and it's like, that's fair. I, I remember having friends who like hated this song and it was funny because like at that time i was like i hated i let like i really didn't like pop music for the most part oh mm-hmm. th- that's actually part of this thing i think maybe that's why i like the weekend so much is that like he was kind of like my first like real foray into like r&b and stuff like that it was like it was pretty much like the trilogy and frank ocean's uh channel orange that like got me into like r&b and like more contemporary pop so yeah um so i mean maybe i'm maybe i'm a little nostalgic but i i don't i i enjoyed the fuck out of this album so <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm, I'm glad to have because i haven't sat down to listen to a full weekend album in a little while i mean i think i did listen to most if not all of Starboy and beat behind the madness but i, I didn't don't think i listened to it as closely as this one so i'm, I'm really yeah. i'm really glad i did I, I, I can't wait till like I mean I'm I'm hoping that well either I I don't know if I'm I'm, I'm hoping the CD is available um if not yet then after uh, all this bullshit that's going on yeah. um because I, I really want to buy this thing because like th- th- this is like this this is prime cheesy Elaine pop music so um, for sure yeah <laughs> well I, to, to say it's cheesy is not to do it a disservice though so. Yeah, sometimes sometimes you need some some cheese. I like need me a, some cheese. Need some nice brie. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean it, here's the like I I've said this before to people is that like you know you you don't need Anselm's ontological argument to prove God. You just need cheese. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just <laughs> it, it, it's self evident. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> That's a great way to end our. How do you like that? We're talking about the weekend. We're talking about Death Note and anime, and we're talking about Anselm of Canterbury's ontological argument for the existence of God. We are we are a classy bunch for sure. You know, we 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 definitely went to college, but did we learn anything? (laughs) A little bit, maybe maybe not as much as we should have, but a little bit. Not not enough to justify the debt, but yes. (laughs) Well, 
Yeah. Okay, this is getting a little too deep. Let's yeah. let's move on. <laughs> okay. Uh, so albums of the week then? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, why don't you go first this week? Okay. All right. That's fine with me. Um, so I was thinking about this all week, and I'm like, where to go? And then I had this. Uh, I put this album on randomly when I was taking a walk. Uh, and it is a uh, Danny Brown's Triple uh, X or Thirty, however you want to say it. I, I say Triple X. Because that's what he literally says in the title track. Um, yeah, just listening to this album again. I, I don't know. Is it an album or a mixtape? Uh, especially nowadays, the distinction's so thin. Yeah, but like, I don't know. If people have called it a mixtape, and usually, like, when an artist delineates it as such, they usually stick to that. But like, I, I've seen people see it as like an album and a mixtape. Well, it's weird because you think about like sometimes it's like, oh, well, it was released for free. I'm like, all right, well, in the age of streaming, I mean, just every album. Yeah, I mean, remember U2 releasing their album for free and everybody hated it. (laughs) Um, And then and then at one point, like mixtapes were (laughs) I like that. At one point, um, like mixtapes were like this hodgepodge of like basically a bunch of experiments. And they used to rap over other people's beats and whatnot. That's that's changed because Triple X is. I mean, if if it is a mixtape, it's essentially structured like an album, yeah. You know, or at least like it, it, the the quality is like an album. So I don't know if it matters. At yeah, one point, I, it mattered. I don't think it matters. I, I don't know. All I have to say is that it is just an awesome album. And like, while I still think Atrocity Exhibition is Danny's best album to date, it was really cool to listen to this again and just sort of you know listen to some of the uh, lesser known deep cuts in it. Like Pack Blood is mm-hmm. is probably a big one on there. Uh, but Scrapper Die was really cool near the end, which it was just a fucked up song, uh, you know, and then I, I, I will, which is gotta be the least sexiest song ever, even though it's about Cunnilingus. It is amazing. That's one of my, that's why I liked the mixtape the first time I listened to it. And then when I got to that song, I was like, oh yeah. Put this a cup is, this is put funny. A pin. <laughs> Sixies on that jammy with, some, with hose. some hose in it. No, yeah. like it's. Like, there are so many great stuff. I think the only thing that, and I guess maybe this is what distinguishes it as a mixtape, is that it does, it feels like just, it's like song, song. Like, it doesn't feel like, you kind of feel um, Atrocity Exhibition, old, you feel those kind of ebb and flow a little bit. There's a little bit more variety, whereas this I, is just... I think there's some ebb and flow, like, yeah, like in yeah. 30, in Triple X, you know, it, it's, it, it's definitely not as obvious as it is in like a atrocity exhibition yeah. where like you know you go straight from downward spiral to tell me what i don't know which are just <laughs> yes. two very different moods but i definitely think it's more of like a beats and rhymes kind of album where it's like yeah made some beats wrapped over it whereas on atrocity exhibition it's like okay we're gonna do like the weirdest most fucked up shit we can that, on that's the track. thing though is like the production on triple x is really good though it is like, like i it, think it, and it really matches with the the way danny's rapping and what he's rapping about so. Yeah, because there's some there's some dark like I think one of the best um, shifts is like there's all these like party esque tracks and um, yeah. like you know kind of like this over the top stuff and then it gets to DNA yeah in my DNA pops get fucked up the same it's just it's it, yeah. it's such a stark because you don't expect it because the whole album has been like these weird depraved songs and then suddenly out of nowhere he gets real um, which has been something I've always appreciated about. Danny's music. Mm. Um, I always appreciated how he can kind of play those characters 
on the album, but you if you feel it's real because some rappers it's kind of you know yeah, it, 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 it's, it's almost like an aesthetic for them. Yeah, you you feel like it's an act, or you find out later like oh like it's kind of it. but you know like from Danny it feels genuine. Yeah, yeah, so. definitely. Great. Well, I'm glad because I, I actually, for the longest time, I couldn't find that on CD anywhere. And finally, I've, I started seeing it in the stores, bought it the first chance I got. I, I, you know, I started Bull Moose once, like a long time ago, and I should have just snapped it up right then. Because, yeah, like, it, I, I love that album. And, like, I mean, thankfully, I, I still I have a Trossy exhibition, so it's not like I'm completely without Danny Brown in my collection, yeah. but still. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, what, what, what have you got this week? So I found my, found my album of the week yesterday, and I was I, I was actually compelled to write a review about it. it. Just went live today on Heavy Blog, and it's just you know I've come to the point where like I've stopped doubting bands. Like when bands say that they're going to like last week with the, the I'm not going to try to pronounce it again, but the synth doom band, where I'm like fuck, like that must be a gimmick. But then I listen to it and I'm like wow, that's actually really really good. Um, this they call what do they what do they call themselves? Viso. Yeah, but yeah, Viso that from last week. This this week, so the band is called of course they're friends. Um Fange, it's F A N G E, and then Pudu, P U D E. So the band is Fange, the um album is called Pudu. Um that's my best French impression, <laughs> I'm sorry. But they call themselves <laughs> They call themselves um, Industrial Death and Harsh Sludge. And I'm like, I, I feel like that. Like, what does that even mean? But I'm like, you know what? Let me give it a try. This album is amazing. I want to listen to this it's now because amazing. It's like, uh, uh, all of those tags like are like exactly what I like. So <laughs> It honestly sounds like a perfect marriage of Godflesh and Entomb. Like, it oh, sounds fuck. like Industrial Metal and like the buzzsaw hm2 swedish death metal oh man um and it's just like i, I fucking I, love that tone man no like, exactly as i was listening to it i think i wrote my review like it to me it was amazing how like it's amazing not only just how seamlessly these two styles work together but just all, how much they're able to do with it because sometimes when bands do like an interesting combo it's cool but then the album like not much you know it doesn't really do a lot like they have a one way that they blend the styles and then that's kind of it this they have more death metal oriented tracks they have tracks that blend the two perfectly they have some just straight up industrial noisy track um kind of the the playbook they pull from from like godflesh where godflesh has some more like heavy aspects of their discography some more atmospheric and melodic mm. and kind of weird parts of discography they pull from you know all of the above and it just comes together and it, it's fucking awesome like i just I saw, the album cover stuck out to me. It was like this weird, contorted, um, like blob on the cover that I think is supposed to be like two people like meshed as one. And I love the color palette. It's like a really nice, nice shade of blue, and then some kind of like uh, pinkish red in a way. Uh, and it just caught my eye. It sounded interesting, and I gave it a shot. And now, like I, I think this is going to be a contender oh. by the end yeah, of the yeah. year. I just looked at that. That's a really cool album cover. Yeah, and just I, it, it, it kind of looks like uh, like I don't know. They, have you watched Rick and Morty? Yeah. Okay. They like. Do you remember the the um the episode where where Morty makes like the entire universe go like all Cronenberg? Oh yeah. Yeah. It it it, it kind of looks like that. Like just like 
you know, Cronenberg Morty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I recommend this super, super highly. It's just, it's a really, really interesting blend of styles to, or, or you know, again, as I'm listening to it, I'm like, it's like, this works. I'm like, why does this work so well? <laughs> did, did, did you read the, um, the description for the band on Bandcamp? What, it's, what it, is it? Th- this is ignorant music for the educated man. <laughs> oh, and you know what? That that even that makes sense because really, it just has like truly like heavy, like bombastic riff, but the way it's presented is actually really interesting. Um, but I, that's like that's a funny description, but it's kind of apt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, big fan. Super glad I just happened to be. You know, as I'm stuck in my apartment, just you know, scrolling through Bandcamp, I was like, "Huh, that that looks that looks cool." And again, this is why, you know, I talk about how much weight I put on album covers because to me, the stylistic choice and just the quality choice that you put into how you present your music, I think that means something. You know, oh, it yeah. doesn't always, you know, it doesn't always just because you have a great album cover doesn't give a great album. But I think that, you know. It caught my eye. There's so yeah. many albums on Bandcamp that I, I I just perused just yesterday morning alone, and that was the one that stuck with me. And now it's one of my favorites of of the year thus far. Yeah, no, th- this looks super cool. I actually am planning on listening to this now because, like, I mean, all of that is like just totally my shit. So <laughs> it's really, really, really cool. Yeah. So all right. On that note, thanks for listening. As always, thanks for um, being you and being beautiful. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait you're talking to the rest of them not, you're, not, you're not, included. not me you're included in all this oh well, thanks <laughs> all right uh talk to you guys later all right bye bye Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.